Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of Deviating Tangents for the year of 2022. Uh, Scott and I haven't recorded at all during the holiday season and the first part of the year. Uh, A lot has happened. We took a small break for uh, Christmas. Uh, I got COVID. I started working a new job and time just kind of got away from us. But welcome to, I think this is going to be episode 18. 18. 18 proper because the because episode i think it's seven sixteen is the christmas special but i'm not calling it episode 16 hmm. so the christmas special is its own thing it was the last episode unnumerical for the year of 2021 uh episodes 16 and 17 by this time have obviously come out I'm going to try to rush stamp those and get them out within like a couple days of each other so that we can get to the new content as fast as possible so that we're not falling behind at every inconvenience. But Scott's going to take the reins for this episode because we're talking about Uh, DRM and the chip shortage. So there's a semiconductor shortage going on right now because of all this and all of that. Uh, Companies cannot get the computer chips that they need to make their products. So what Canon is doing, uh, without these chips, their first-party ink cartridges are showing up as invalid, third-party, scary, don't use this in your printer. And that's obviously not true. They're first-party ink cartridges, and Canon has actually had to come out and tell consumers how to ignore the error messages that they're seeing that's like that's like those people that i was talking to jess about this the other day it's like those people that never fix the minor problem on their dashboard that's making their check engine light go on Mm -hmm. so they'd rather just dismantle the dashboard to disable the check engine light (laughs) so speaking of that i bought a um a bluetooth odp2 scanner and like it was the best 20 bucks i have ever spent because you can just use your phone and turn those codes off it's fantastic so drm before we do the thing the show's (laughs) named after so um and so realistically what this is telling me is that all of these oh scary don't don't use third party it's all bullshit Like, like if if the company that is making the ink has ink that is showing up as third party and they're telling you to just you can just ignore the errors for the third party cartridges it's not going to harm your printer at all yeah it a majority of the time they are the same cartridges just missing these chips yeah or like they've been black market bootlegged so that they've gone through like the like any of the like the tampering protocols so that they can yeah yeah or like taken off production slightly early yep so so what i don't understand is is there are hackers out there for everything why has no one like hacked printer firmware to to fix these bullshit problems Oh, you can't print in black and white because you're out of cyan. Yeah. But like, why is it a thing? So that reminds me, um, HP is getting sued. Really? So they have a 
an all-in-one printer scanner fax machine combo whatever because no one's gonna have all three of those machines it's just gonna be the all-in-one yeah the scanner does not work if you are out of ink that's yeah that's not what you're using the scanner for exactly so there's there's a clash action lawsuit going on right now because what the fuck there is no reason that your scanner should stop working because you are out of ink. You're not even printing anything. That's like, especially like if you go to like average retailers, like if you go to like Walmart or Target and you go to buy like a $50, $60 printer, mm-hmm. that money you're spending is not on the printer. So they they actually price printers lower than it costs to make them because they're not making money on the printers they're making money on the the ink ink. so it's Um, like if you go pick up like a like a like a 50 dollar like an inkjet printer mm -hmm. that costs 50 60 dollars 12 of the dollars you're spending is on the printer yeah exactly because you can spend another 50 bucks on a single ink cartridge um what what i was i had a i had a point I saw you do the thing where you put your finger up against your mouth. Yes. So um, HP has a a subscription service for ink. That's great. So they will, um, when you're running low on ink, they'll they'll ship you a new cartridge to your house. That's not a bad idea. But I don't like the idea of that being behind a, of course, it's going to be like a money gouge of a subscription service. If you cancel this subscription service... The cartridge in your printer will stop working. That's fantastic. Yeah. Regardless of the ink level, if you cancel the subscription, it will stop working. That's like, you wouldn't download ink, <laughs> would you? <laughs> so, so um, ounce for ounce, printer ink is the most expensive liquid on the planet. Yeah. Like, like there, there's... Um, blue horseshoe crab blood that is used for medical applications and like is so super difficult to harvest it's like yeah. millions of dollars for an ounce or something printer ink is more expensive yep i wonder if a lot of that has to do with the particular mixture that it takes to make cyan i doubt it I, well I... so specifically because like red and yellow appear in nature all the time there are all sorts of pigments that we can use to make any type of red or yellow hue value. Hmm. Blue, not so much. Blue is yeah. like the least natural color and in the natural world. That That's why blues and, and even purples were, were considered yes. royalty for, for a while. Yes. If you go um, back to like feudal dark yeah. ages, if you had blue or purple, it's because you had money. Yeah. No, so I'm, I'm, it might have something to do with it, but I think most of it is just corporate greed. Well, yes, it's like getting your hands on the blue is already hard. Mm -hmm. And then the, the scooping off the top to make it even more expensive. And, and that says nothing for the, you can't print in black and white because out of cyan. Yeah. Oh, but it makes a richer black... I don't care. I don't care. I'm printing a text document. There is no reason for cyan. Yeah. 
Don't most printers still do that thing where, like, if you're out of black, you can still print in color, though? Um, maybe. Um, I, I think you can also still print in a sort of black by mixing all the other ones. I'm yeah. not real sure. I know I used to do that in school if I had to, like, type essays and stuff. Mm -hmm. It'd be like, yeah, you have an essay due for whatever. Like, suddenly they'd spring it on you. It's like, you have an essay due in three days. It's like, I don't even want to write this in the first place. Exactly. And then you go home and you do it last minute, because of course you do. Mm -hmm. And... Suddenly, it's like 8 o'clock at night, all the stores are closing, the printer has no ink <laughs> in it, and you have to go to bed, and you're freaking out. And I would just, like, make the font as dark a blue as possible, <laughs> and hope my teacher wouldn't notice. No one ever did. Good, good. I just... Printers are a scam. If, yeah. if you're going to buy a printer, buy a laser printer. Yeah. Because, like, toner cost next to nothing and and those large toner cartridges they'll last you forever forever yeah <clears throat> like i remember where we used to work we would only get we would have to change toner cartridges like once every month and that's because these printers were being used constantly every day yeah but like for standard home use how much are you actually printing yeah and how much are you actually printing in color yeah so, like, if, if, if you're not printing in color all that much, do you really need an inkjet? Yeah. Just just head down to your local library. Or like, go to, like, a Kinko's or something. Yeah, yeah. Which, I don't know why I always use that as the default, because we do not have a Kinko's around here. <laughs> I think we used to in... in um, uh, I don't want to way too much yeah where we are but like <laughs> it's like you said we used to have one around and i'm like i'm sure we did but like yeah yeah like, like i'm i can see the storefront there and like i remember there's a game place over here that i went to a midnight release for and like took home a, a miss a pandaria standee for for shen stormstout because, like, I was there before the sales clerk was. I love this. <laughs> One of the things I love about this show is that... Might as well be the tagline is, Welcome to Deviating Tangents. The show where corporate greed is bad and Scott likes... <laughs> <laughs> uh, World of Warcraft. I, I have not played the game in over 10 years and still have super fond memories of my time playing it. And also have, like... So they're not fond memories, but I remember frustrations with the game. Yeah. And am still happy that I have those frustrations. Mm -hmm. So, like, there was a mechanic in the game called um, archaeology. And okay. the way archaeology worked is that dig sites would show up randomly along the continent. And only four of them would be spawned at a time yeah um i was an alchemist so i wanted this super special pattern that would allow me to make a potion that turned me into a dragon and would, would um let a party member ride me yeah so archaeology because that was the only way i could get it getting this pattern is four levels of RNG stacked on top of each other. Yeah. And that is just insane. So you can only get it from 
a, a few specific dig sites that had the um, the correct race because dig sites across the continent would have different races associated with them. Yeah. And then you had to have the correct research project, which again is completely random out of the pool of research projects for that race. Yeah. If you get the correct research project, there is no guarantee that when you finish it, it's going to have that pattern in there. It could just be random trash. It, it was um, an Egyptian-themed race, so there are canopic jars, so you're usually just getting, you know, discarded organs and things. Yeah. But if you keep going at it, you you can get this pattern. But it's just such a massive pain in the ass. Yeah. Because, like, once you clear out a dig site, there's no guarantee that it's going to be where you need it to be to get the, the 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 pattern you need it can spawn on the other end of the continent which is a 20 minute flight path away <laughs> and and i've had it happen where it was in the right location and then in the very very wrong location and the only way to fix it is to go the 20 minutes up there clear it out and then it spawned in the right location again so i had to go 20 minutes back and i'm just losing so much time to travel archaeology is a pain in the ass and i hate grinding for it and i never got that pattern <laughs> <clears throat> that's coming from an achievement hunter yes so and, and that's that's what kills me even more but i mean drm right <laughs> speaking of drm we were talking about this a little bit before the starting of the recording of this episode i don't know why i said it like that but regardless um for those of you that are avid gamers i know this because you're still here after scott talking about <laughs> world of warcraft for no doubt the 20th time and um, at least it was a different story this time. Yeah. As long as we keep coming up with new content to tell people. It's oh, I, like, I have tons of Warcraft yeah, stories. But it's like, um, so any of you that are avid gamers, you will have no doubt seen that Sony is doing a thing where be, to combat the fact that there are no PS5s, <laughs> they are the production life cycle of the PS4. Yeah, because making a million more PS4s. Because that's going to help your chip shortage. I mean, like I said earlier, they they could be using different chips. Yeah. And like, if they're already made, you may as well use them. Yeah. But also, like I said, if the raw material resources are shared between the two, you should save them for the one that needs them. Well, more. no, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, let's say they they've already spent the materials making these chips. If, if, oh, so if, like all the chips that are left? Yeah, yeah. They have surplus stock. May as well. Okay. I didn't think about it that way. That makes sense. And, and like, PS4 is still a powerhouse of a system. It's good. Like, I've, I've always been more of a Nintendo gamer, but, like, the PS4 is, is, is a decent system. Yeah. Plus, like, the, the 9.0 firmware has been hacked, so just jailbreaking, get all the games you want. I mean, it's funny. I already have all the games that I want because, like, PS Plus has been so good to me over yeah. the years. Because, like, I was one of those guys that got PS Plus on day one. Mm. And so it's like, every month there's, like, three games that you can download for free and play for free as long as you want, as long as you have the yeah. subscription service. Well, like, you see all these, these YouTubers doing randomizers and things 
they're playing on emulators because that's the only way you can do that. Yeah. With a jailbroken console, you can do that on the console. Yeah. The thing with that, though, especially like rapidly, mm. is like the reason why those are done on emulators a lot of the time is so that you can play on a much stronger hardware yeah, that's, than that's the original well. hardware used to run the software. Yeah. Because the software can hold out just fine as long as the hardware doesn't crash. So most most fair line computers now now are stronger than a PS4 would be. Yeah. So the thing with that is to emulate a system, it needs to be the, the needs to be orders of magnitude stronger than the emulated system. Yes. Just just due to the nature of oh hey, we have to pretend we're a whole other hardware system. Yeah. Um, to that end, though, PS3 emulation is taking off. Yeah. Like, I, I've, I've not looked into it myself, but I've heard things that, like, PS3 emulation is, is, is near flawless. Yeah. I love emulation. I, I love making computers do things that they're not supposed to do. Yeah. My whole point with um, the stronger original hardware is the reason why because one of my favorite types of randomizers i'm only gonna like talk about this for a second because not everybody's cup of tea dark souls mm -hmm. dark souls has like a randomizer for everything mm -hmm. there's a particular randomizer that i've never played but there's a randomizer for dark souls where all the enemies are randomized okay so what happens if and it's usually they're randomized but they're randomized in such a way that it's actually the location file for their their data on the heap is switched with something else. Right, okay, and that so makes sense. every time it wants to pull from this place on the heap, it's grabbing something else. Yep. So what if you're going through an area where normally there's like a bunch of tiny little skeletons that you're like, go away, skeleton, and it's just yeah. this mindless thing. And now suddenly each one of those skeletons where the where the information on the heap wants to be pulled from mm -hmm. is actually this ridiculously huge boss that you won't <laughs> fight for 12 hours. So now your computer has to handle this yep. giant behemoth of a creature for every skeleton that you would have originally come across. I just love seeing stuff like that. Yep, yep, yep. See, the, the the strongest randomizer I've ever played was the Link to the Past Super Metroid crossover. Yeah. That that is the most powerful randomizer I've played, and I don't think I ever finished it. So when it comes to I'm I got this weird I idea of emulation. Like I've never been against emulation. Mm -hmm. Like, as long as you are not selling it because you do not own it, like, that's what makes emulation illegal. So, I think you can sell patches. You can't sell the actual ROMs. Yes. Um, and, like, do not sell ROMs. That is super duper illegal. Yeah. Um, but I, I think you can sell patches. I, I don't know why you would, because, like you can get custom roms out there for nothing yeah but like i 
think you can do that. And it's like, and I'm not even advocating that, like, if you have the original hardware, you might as well just do it on the original hardware. Yeah. Or, like, find, like, go, we'll get, like, shopping for games is one of my favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. Like, if you go to, like, a flea market and there's just an old Indian man with, like, a box <laughs> of Super Nintendo cartridges. And yep. he, you know, he doesn't know what any of that's worth. Yep. Like, every game is worth a buck just because he's trying to get rid of them. And you fi- you're like, oh, Secret of Evermore is in here, which you can't find anywhere. See, that's that's the thing that I don't like about the the secondary game, game market and and places like um, Heritage Auctions and and Wada Games. Like, there's no reason that a copy of of Super Mario 64 should be selling for a million dollars. Yeah, like that is just not even absurdity. Men. Exactly. Like it's it's a game. You play the game. It's, yeah. it's, it's what, why do you need it graded well, to sit Scott, on your shelf? Uh, what's the point of a game other than to have fun with it however you see fit? Maybe some people have fun with games by never taking them out of their boxes and laminating them in a plastic to be put on a pedestal. See, at that point, it's not a game. It's an investment. It's an art piece. It, it's how you launder money. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you don't know how true that is. Speaking about Heritage Auction and, and, and Wada Games, um, they they are not good companies. Do not use them. Um, what is the most expensive vintage game you have ever seen? Like if you go into like a secondhand gaming store, and they're like, "This is all of like our top tier stuff." Yeah, yeah. They like keep um, under glass. I'm not sure because like that's that's not a thing I look for so like it's not something that sticks in my head yeah but like we 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 went out to a a local game shop a couple of weeks ago and and like I think they were selling something for like a hundred bucks I don't remember what it was but I think it was a PS1 game yeah um, and that's just absurd to me. The most expensive, like, vintage game I've ever seen being sold aftermarket or second market um, was same sh- same shop, same place we went. Okay. But this was years ago when they were at the old location. Yeah. There was a copy, first edition, first pressing, unopened, perfectly sealed, still in original packaging. Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Okay. For a thousand dollars. Jesus, that that is just absurd to me. I would never get it. I've I've played the game because emulation, and like I would never spend a thousand dollars on it. Yeah. And and like maybe it's just me play games to enjoy them. I don't give a shit if it's first edition. Yeah. Like, like that means absolutely nothing to me. It's just, I think for that, that's like the people that go like super nuts on like the production schedules of stuff. Yeah. It's like, this one was made in, in on this day and this of this year in this particular factory in this region of wherever. There's, there's only been one time where I've cared about like, like a specific model number for something. And like... That was the Game Boy Advance SP model 101 versus 100. Yeah. And the only difference is a backlit screen versus a frontlit screen. Mm. The the 101 model is backlit. The 100 is frontlit. 
and if you've played a backlit screen, you never want to go back to a frontlit screen. Yeah. But if you played a Game Boy Advance first, you'll 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 just be glad to take the lit screen. Yeah. I mean that's 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 fair. But like if if I'm looking to pick up a a Again, this is the only time I have ever cared about a model number. Is just for the backlit screen. Yeah. Because, like, we, we've mentioned before um, Four Swords Adventures and, yep. and Crystal Chronicles. And, like... That was the first step. That's why I was picking it up. But, like, so I could have it on hand just in case I got three friends who want <laughs> that that is the most unrealistic part of this story is me having three friends i will i will fight tooth and nail for all of the equipment i need to play this game i have no one to play it with exactly exactly um to to play four swords adventures to its fullest you need so much equipment yeah and I had it. I had it all. I had four Game Boy Advances and four Link Cables and a GameCube and the game and no one to play it with. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, now that I'm back in the work world and I can like start like saving up money to like buy some new stuff, it's like, I want to, I want to invest in a drum kit. Like, not like a big, like a $500 one. For yeah. those of you out there that are musicians, I'm sure you guys have probably seen advertisements for it, and I've seen really good reviews for the Questlove beginner drum kit. Uh, do you know who Questlove is? Uh, I've heard the name, he's but the, like not ringing a bell. He's the drummer for The Roots, which is uh, Jimmy Fallon's house band. Okay. Uh, he Essentially, he worked with Ludwig, I think, which is a drum production company okay. to create a beginner drum set it's gotcha. just four pieces it's kick snare floor tom and stand tom and like a crash cymbal and hats and so those are words yeah and so <laughs> drummers will know what i'm talking about or musicians in general um and so it's like i'm not a drummer but this is a like it's after tax it's like a 300 dollars drum kit and it's like it's marketed to children, but it's really marketed to musicians that don't need a big kit and have very limited space. Or if you want to get into drumming and you want to have like an acoustic kit, but you don't want to spend $600 on a full kit. Yeah, so so instruments are insanely expensive. Oh, yeah. Like I can understand it because like they're they're precision things. Yeah. But, like, they are so expensive. It is a hobby. Yeah. It's like the electronics in any of my... Because I collect guitars and I'm a bass player. Uh, the electronics are half of what you're paying. Yeah. So it's like the bot... So it's like if I have... Like, I have a, a Squire Affinity 2020 model uh, PJ bass that I bought for $220. Mm -hmm. The body, likely was a hundred dollars of that two hundred twenty dollars and then the pickups were the rest of it yeah i have an ocarina somewhere somewhere <laughs> <laughs> i don't have the manual dexterity to play it you just got practice i also don't have the rhythm to blow into it correctly <laughs> again just got practice <laughs> 
when I first started playing music, I didn't know like what anything was. I just the the fact that I didn't know is what like made me want to get better at it. Yeah, that's that's fair. So I was like, I don't know what this is, and I don't like that I don't understand. Mm-hmm. So that's what's gonna make me do it. That that's how I feel about um, computers and programming and things like that. Yeah, I don't know how to do this thing that I know is possible. So I'm going to do everything I possibly can to learn how to do that. Yeah. And now I have a motion sensor on my computer so I can wave at it and launch games. <laughs> Is there anything that's like set to just launch by default? Uh, so actually it launches Final Fantasy Online. Online or like 14? 14. Okay, because there's two onlines, but nobody plays oh, 11. Well, that's confusing. <laughs> nobody plays 11 anymore. That was like 2000. Uh, long uh, time ago. <laughs> it was like 2004, 2005, 11 came out. So, like, it launches the game if I wave at it after launching this Python script, but, like, my subscription's not active. <laughs> so, like, they sent me an email saying, like, oh, there, there was an issue with your card payment or something, which didn't make sense. Maybe it had something to do with my VPN for random reasons, and then, like, I just never fixed it, because I don't care. I, I never got into Final Fantasy. And I know you started playing Final Fantasy fourteen because your housemates wanted you to play with them, right? Yeah, and, and like, it was, it was decent for a while, but, like, I grew up with Warcraft, and, like, I have a, a, an emotional connection to that story there. Yeah. And I just, I don't have that same connection to the story in Final Fantasy, and it just, I could not connect with it. So that's something that bothered me about also Final Fantasy and Eleven to a lesser extent, because I didn't even know that was going to be an online thing. But when Final Fantasy fourteen came out, I was like, oh, it's online? Mm-hmm. Like... Because the concept of Final Fantasy, it's very narrowly driven. It's like this small team that is all controlled by you is going to save the world. Yeah. But now you're in an MMO where everybody is that person. Yeah. And I remember, uh, what was it? Elder Scrolls Online had the same problem. Mm. It's like Elder Scrolls Online launched... Everybody played it on day one, realized that there were thousands of the chosen ones running around (laughs) doing all the same things, and then everybody stopped playing it. Mm -hmm. I think what I really didn't like 14 is um, the fate system, where there's, there's little pocket events that will descale you. Yeah. So like they're they're meant to be done at this level and you will be doing them at this level whether you want to or not. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're level 60, if this is an area for level 10, you are now level 10 and all of your skills past level 10 do not exist anymore. That's stupid. Yeah. So it it's not that I I want to be overpowered or anything, but like Again, I'm an achievement hunter. I want to do everything. And it, so if if I'm going back through a starter zone after I've achieved max level to, to you know go do some achievement or something, I don't need to, to be bothered with the level 10 stuff. Yeah. I can just steamroll over it. But because of this fate system, 
I'm now level 10 again yeah. and have to actually pay attention to what I'm doing. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to die. And I hate systems when games put in place systems like that because it's like part of the fun of like old games is being able to when you play the game so many times that you can circumvent an obstacle with minimal odds of your success. Hmm. Like if you look at it on paper, it's like you shouldn't be able to do that. But you know how to do it because you've done it so many times. Yeah. So it's like being able to fight a level 50 monster at level four. There are games and players that know yeah. how to do stuff like that. Yep. It's not supposed to be this even thing. That's like talking about MMOs, and I've talked about Maple Story a fair number of times. Maple's old Maple Story was broken. Mm -hmm. Especially, and it was not weighed in your favor if you were a warrior, which I was. <laughs> so there are four stats. There's strength, dexterity, intelligence, and luck. Okay. So if you were a warrior, your primary stat was strength. Right. If you were a bowman, your primary stat was dexterity. Mm -hmm. If you were a magician, your primary stat was intelligence. And if you were a thief, which was like a hybrid class, you're, you had to kind of like flip-flop between luck and dexterity, but it was like 90-10. Okay. Like you were mostly putting into luck. Okay. But depending on the type of like thief you wanted to play, you might need dexterity for certain items. Yeah, I, I, I can see how a thief would need to be so dexterous. To hit a monster, you have to have a certain accuracy to be able to hit its whatever the game registers as its armor class or whatever. Right. To improve your accuracy, you have to invest in the stats of dexterity and luck. Dexterity heavily more so increases your accuracy than luck does, but luck does also a tiny bit. So if you were a warrior that didn't invest in dexterity, you could not hit anything after a certain level, <laughs> even if it was 10 levels lower than you. Really? So here's the thing. Well, doesn't that also affect mages? Because, I mean, they're not putting into luck or dexterity. Magic, an old maple story, did not miss. <laughs> That's great. So if you played a warrior <coughs> in maple story until, like, 2006, you probably stopped playing somewhere around level 45. Out of levels. Jeez. Yeah. Which is why when we all saw uh, Fangblade like get promoted into the game as first warrior to actually first fighter to actually fucking make it to level 120, we were all floored. We're like, <laughs> how? Because he had to have fallen into the same trap we did. It's like hmm. you had to have invested all your levels into strength, realized that there was a certain point that you couldn't hit anything. So then you'd have to like spend the next 10 levels investing in dexterity because you already have too much strength than to know what to do with anyway. Yeah. So, but now you're having a spending forever leveling up because you have to go back and fight monsters that are way weaker than you and give no experience. And your experience pool to your next level is so high and you only yep. get five attribute points to be able to put in dexterity, which isn't going to let you hit anything. And it was just a mess. Oof. Fun, 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 fun. I hope everybody enjoyed episode 18 of the Deviating Tangents podcast, the very first episode of the year 2022. So buckle up, everybody. It's more of this.